And welcome back to the Damn Podcast. I'm Carter Baines here weekly with Angie Machado, publisher of BeaverBlitz.com. And Angie, we are here with a really special episode of the Damn Podcast. It's a Women's College World Series watch party. Uh, first pitch is just moments away as we record this here at 4 o'clock, Thursday, June 2nd. Uh, we're also going to preview the Corvallis Regional on the baseball side. So the Diamond Sports uh, getting a, a very big emphasis on this week's show. But Angie, first of all, how are you on this this sunny June afternoon in Oregon? Yeah, it's not quite sunny here, Carter. It's a little overcast, kind of sunny, but no, all is good. Um, how fun is it that we're actually talking about a women's softball World Series game um, and not just baseball this time of year? Yeah, first time since 2006, the Oregon State softball team has advanced to the Women's College World Series. I've got it pulled up here on my phone on the side. Uh, you know, I've got three screens going here. So if if you're watching us live on YouTube and you see me looking around everywhere, I'm either reading the show notes or you know looking at Angie or watching the game. So um, we've got and multiple kind of, things going here at the same time. I'm kind of the same because I'm actually in a different, I'm in our family room right now. So I have the game over there. So if you see me look in that direction, I'm looking at the game. And then you kind of see the stairs behind me. So hopefully you might get a cameo. Jack or uh, Luke might make a cameo. So Hey, that's uh, that's how we roll on the damn podcast. We're, we're going to keep it casual as always. We'll you know provide some updates on the softball game as we go uh, throughout here. If you're watching us live on YouTube, feel free to uh, to post some comments in the chat. We'll throw them up on the screen. Uh, if you have any questions for us, you know, we'll try to answer them throughout the show. We do have a pretty full show this week um, with these two sports going on at the same time. Um, so hopefully we have some time for some Q and a at the end. Um, we'll try to throw some questions in as we go. Um, but Angie, I just got back from Arizona a couple of days ago, took a day off to, to recharge after a long week of baseball. Um, but I'm, I'm ready to get back at it. So why don't we uh, why, why don't we start with softball here since that's you know what's what's going on at the moment yeah. baseball gets underway tomorrow in the Corvallis regional but um, Angie I was you know when I was down in Arizona Arizona covering the Pac-12 baseball tournament I, I didn't get a chance to watch too much softball but um, Oregon State was down in in Palo Alto um, in the Stanford Super Regional which they swept two nothing did you catch either of those two games? You know, I caught just the very end of that second second game that uh, sent them to the World Series. Uh, I mean, it was, I think, a 2-0 win. Um, softball's a, a little quicker game. That was, I think that was the same day that Oregon State had its meltdown. It was, it was kind of a strange day that day, but um, saw a little bit of it. And, you know, I don't know a ton about women's softball, just of, of the Oregon State team. Just that I've heard so many great things about the head coach, Laura Berg. Yeah, I mean, she's, you know, an eventual Hall of Famer. Um, if she's not there already, I, ca I can't remember. But, you know, Team USA coach. And, um, you know, she's had a lot of success at a lot of levels. I throw up this comment. It's too bad Carter can't be at two places at once, says Dame's Milkman. Um, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma City is is not necessarily a destination. But uh, <laughs> considering the um, the gravity of what's going on down there, it does kind of stink to miss it, but okay, um, Carter. But you know, I've, I've only Omaha. I've only covered I've only covered like you know two minutes worth of softball since since I started uh, writing for Beaver Blitz. So I, I don't think I'd be of of much value down there. But keep the comments coming. Yeah, keep them rolling. 
Um, first pitch between Oregon State and number 14 seed Florida is set for any minute now. They're in commercial break. Um, the news of the day, Angie, Mariah Mazzone, Oregon State's two-way player, All-American, um, like the lone five-year senior on this squad, inexplicably before the game it was announced that she is unavailable today uh, she will not play uh, against florida the team hopes to have her back sometime in the near future they said but um no details on on Mazone's absence how big of a loss is that for this oregon state softball team it's it's huge because not only was she an amazing pitcher for the beeves she was also one of their best bats so it's, that's a huge huge loss. i mean if i was to tell you that the beeves were going to leave lose Cooper, uh, Derby, and uh, Jacob Melton. What would you, you know, I, I think that's kind of the magnitude that we're talking. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's, you know, she's the she's the leader of this squad. The, uh, like I said, uh, you know, a fifth-year senior who has been uh, at, at the forefront of Oregon State's success this year, you know, <laughs> throwing no hitters and, and hitting grand slams. That's, yeah. that's, uh, that's what Mariah Mazzone brings to the table. And Unfortunately, she's not available for the Beavers as we get underway here in Oklahoma City. First pitch at 4.07 p.m. They, uh, they just started. Will that first uh, with, with Florida in the circle there in the top of the first inning. Um, as, as we said, we'll you know, provide updates. If, you're, if you've got us pulled up like, like we do with you know, multiple screens going, you're watching the damn podcast on one of them, um, or if you're listening after the fact, um, you know, you'll – You'll hear some updates throughout the game as that progresses over the next hour or so as we record this. But um, Angie, yesterday, the uh, you know the, the team arrived in Oklahoma City. Some media arrived down there as well. We know a handful of people who were down there covering the squad. Um, d- did you get a, a chance to catch that about eleven minute press conference by chance yesterday? Just a little piece of it. Okay. I, I'm curious what your takeaways are because I've got I've got two big takeaways that I put in the show notes here. But from what you saw, the, the just the quick tidbit, did you kind of did you get the same sense that I did that this team is just having so much fun during this yeah, ride? A hundred percent. I mean, this is um, yes. A, it looks like a team that's playing together, and um, they they seem to really like each other and care about each other. Um, but then just to see the fun and the smiles. Um, and then to hear Laura Bird talk about this being one of ranking up there with one of the top moments of her career, that's huge. I mean, this is someone who's coached Olympics um, and done some pretty big things in, in her career. Yeah, my big takeaway was, you know, Laura Berg saying uh, that this ranks right there at the top of her experiences as a player and a coach. And I mean, this is somebody who's coached and played at the highest level in this sport. Um, and she says this year, you know, leading a group of freshmen to the Women's College World Series takes the cake. That is the ultimate accomplishment in her book, which is, uh, it's pretty cool. You know, you're witnessing one of the best to ever do it, um, you know, do do something that she says is the best thing she's ever done. So um, I, I think it's impressive what she's been able to do to bring this group of, of really young student athletes together, um, you know, and, and lead them to, to, to heights that the, the program really hasn't ever seen before. Hey, My other hey, takeaway... Oh, go, go, ahead. go for it. Go for oh, it. Oh no, I was just it reminds me a little bit of Oregon State's first year in the College World Series. What was that like 05? 2005, yeah. So, yeah, I think that was a two and a barbecue for them, but um yeah. it really kind of set the table for for what, you know, kind of gave them a sense of what it was all about 
and then help them come back the next couple of years. Yeah, it's a program builder for sure. And then, and one of those players who will be back next year is Frankie Amudi, uh, who said during the the press conference at Media Day that you know nobody expected Oregon State to be here. Nobody expected us to be in in this seat here in the uh, in the women's college world series. So why not just have fun? You know, you're, they're playing with house money at this point. They're playing loose. Um, it's it. You see it when you watch a game. You know, Oregon State is known for dancing in the dugout for uh, you know video oh, bombing video base bombing hit. Laura Berg during interviews. Um, you're ahead of me on the on the stream. I, oh, okay. I'm streaming. You're watching a broadcast. Okay. Yeah, I'm watching is. the so broadcast. Got a double. Oregon State hits a double in the top of the first with one out uh, for the game's first base runner. Um, but yeah, Frankie Moody yesterday saying, you know, we're, we're just having fun out here. You know, nobody nobody expected us to be here, so why don't we just go out there and and kind of do our thing? Um, and I think that's very evident uh, when when you watch an Oregon State Oregon State softball game. Absolutely. Yeah. They're like you said, the dancing is dancing in the dugout has become viral, I think. So um, that's kind of fun. Yeah. I actually, I spoke with Oregon state head coach, Mitch Canham on the baseball side uh, yesterday. Uh, he was asked, you know, is, is the baseball team kind of keyed into what softball's doing? Um, are you guys, you know, how, how closely are you watching? Um, he said, actually a, a lot of the players on both teams know each other. So, you know, the, the, the baseball players will say, Oh, you know, like they know, they know softball players' tendencies. They know who's good at what and whatnot. So um, they're very much experts on, on this team. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of them are friends and, um, you know, know, know each other very well. Um, so they are, trust me, they're very locked in, according to uh, what Mitch Canham said. He also I think said, that, would be the, that would be the same, though, across the board with all the student-athletes at Oregon State. You know, there's 500 or so student-athletes. Um, yeah. I would say they're all, you know, they, they do, they, the softball team practices in the Truex indoor, they all use the same weight room. Um, there's, there's different, you know, they're at training tables together. So, um, it's not like these guys live in complete little bubbles. So, um, I would say the entire athletic department is, is following along pretty close. Yeah. It's an athletic department that I think very much supports the success of other teams. You saw it too, when the Oregon state men's basketball team made their run through the PAC 12 tournament and into the elite eight of, of the big dance, just, you know, one short year ago, um, you know, athletic department support across the board for that team as well. Uh, Mitch Canham also said he fully expects and, and his team fully expects the Oregon state softball team to come home with the trophy. You know, he says this, this team is, you know, they're not there just, just to go out, have fun and dance in the dugout. They're there to win the whole thing. Um, and I, I think how cool would that be for Oregon state to run the table and, and bring home a trophy? Okay. I think we, we just got to run in one zero and a single hit. Um, I'm sorry. I'm kind of like watching two things here. So Oregon state scored one run. There's a runner at first and there's two outs top of one. There you go. Oregon state on the board first and the, uh, in its opener at the college world series. Um, we will continue to have live updates throughout the game. But we want to move to the baseball side. Yes, because... I can't wait to hear about your your trip, Carter. I mean, I've heard yeah, the first. So, but... so I, I kind of want to start with that. You know, I was in Scottsdale for uh, what six days, five five days, six nights, something like that. Um, obviously, the, the main takeaway from Scottsdale is that it's very hot and it's very dry, very much unlike Oregon. So I get there and it's you know 105 degrees the first day I'm there. Not used to that. 
Um, but I, I just kept thinking, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious and quite frankly concerned about how the players of all eight teams are going to be able to handle those conditions. Um, and sure enough, you know, we saw that with Oregon State in particular kind of rear its head with about five different guys getting hurt during the longest day of baseball that I had ever seen. <laughs> so that's, you know, kind of the, the, uh, the bird's eye view of, of the, the conditions there. But um, Oregon State loses to Stanford 9-5 to five in the inaugural Pac-12 tournament championship game, uh, ending a 3-2 and two week down in Scottsdale. So, I mean, all in all, like, you know, technically not a bad week for Oregon State, but um, – Three and two. I, I don't know, Angie. Did you want? Did you want to see more success from them, or is making the championship game and, and giving Stanford a run for its money, considering all of the circumstances that Oregon State, you know, was facing, uh, is is that successful in, in your book? Yeah. To be honest, I was never a big fan of this whole Pac-12 tournament to be from the from the start. Um, I, I mean, I see where it can help a team that maybe you know the seven eight seed. Um, potentially get in, but it really, there's nothing to gain for, for a Stanford, Oregon state, even UCLA. Um, but especially Oregon state and Stanford, who it was pretty much a given that they were going to be a t- you know, top seed for the tournament. Um, really the only thing that could happen was somebody would get hurt and, or, you know, it would lose, they would lower their seating a little bit. Um, I, I guess I, it was, it was interesting. Cause like you said, I've never seen anything like that, uh, back-to-back those UCLA games. Both of them were a little wild, um, but that first one, um, what was it, 21 to 12 at one point? Yes. Yeah, 21 to 12 going into the bottom of the ninth. Uh, quick update from Oklahoma City. Through the first half inning, Oregon State leads one nothing. The Beavers leave two runners aboard. Uh, they get two hits and score the game's first run. Oh, but yes, right. down in down in Scottsdale, that, that first game – uh, it, in that long day, that long semifinal day against UCLA, 25 to 22 in 10 innings across five hours and 44 minutes of baseball, uh, a total of 53 hits, five errors between the two teams, I believe. Um, yeah, unlike anything that I had ever seen. And honestly, not even remotely what I was expecting when I left my Airbnb that morning. I figured... Yeah. All right, you know, semifinal game, UCLA's running on fumes, you know, not much left in the tank. Oregon State's got its starting pitchers ready to go. Maybe we see Oregon State win this thing, you know, like five to two, five to three, something like that. Get out of there, go get dinner and have a relaxing night. Instead, I got to the park, you know, somewhere around, oh, 1130 or noon and and left about midnight. So it was a longer day than I had anticipated. I think a longer day than anybody else anticipated. Uh, But in the end, Oregon State does bounce back and win the second game on a Jacob Melton walk-off, taking that one 8-7 to advance to the championship. But um, Angie, so be honest with me here. Did you watch all, what, nine, ten hours of baseball? I am. We did. Yeah, that and, was all- and how did you and how did you feel afterwards? <laughs> because I was about as drained as yes. I've ever been. Drained, exhausted, and and honestly, I I think I I looked at Eric and said, "Those are that's like ten hours that I'm never going to get back." Yeah, yeah. Just- <laughs> I mean, hey, the one thing that those games had going for them were that they were incredibly entertaining. You know, no shortage of offense, a lot of lead changes. Um, you know, you even had some extra innings drama in the first one, a, a nine, a nine run bottom of the ninth to send it to extras. Um, 
it's everything it's everything that you could ever ask for from a baseball game and yet i i sit there after the game thinking wow this is why baseball is a quote-unquote dying sport this is why people don't like watching it because it takes forever you know you never it it was it was catastrophic i think for yeah for for For, both teams yeah and i i I agree with you and i thought the whole patchwork tournament was long i mean i think the games were just so long and drawn out and um yeah like you said that's why people that's why people aren't watching baseball because it's typically lower scoring and it takes forever it's a it's a pretty big commitment and if you're a beaver fan that first game was completely just like a gut punch yeah down in oklahoma city oregon state turns to sarah hendigas on the uh or in in the circle to pitch with mariah mazone out again today those are it's an undisclosed absence from the zone, but uh, Sarah Hendigas, the the freshman, uh, gets the ball for Oregon State up one nothing against Florida. Um, so yeah, Angie, Oregon State obviously has that long day against UCLA. Before that, they went two and zero, got a day off on mm-hmm. Friday, which I think in hindsight was absolutely huge to have that one day to rest the bullpen arms, um, going into a very long day Saturday, and then the championship on Sunday. Um, but those first two wins, beating Lindsey Meggs in Washington, always feels good for Oregon State fans. And, and, you know, I'm sure even those within the program, they probably will never admit it. But I, I think that is a big rivalry, um, you know, for everyone affiliated with Oregon State. So to get that win in the opener was big. To beat California in the second round, also big because then you get the day off. Um, and then they go and win one out of two against UCLA and drop the championship to Stanford to go three and two. So that's the, that's the tournament as a whole for Oregon state. But Angie, I want to talk about just kind of this whole field, you know, this, this whole eight team field, getting back to your point about the PAC 12 tournament, essentially just kind of being pointless. Nobody really helped themselves. You know, the teams that already knew that they were going to be in the field pretty much, you know, nobody lost their place. Um, nobody, nobody stole a bid. You know, you didn't see Washington make a deep run. You didn't see Arizona state make too deep of a run. Um, but I, I think the one thing that, that did change after all of that was Oregon went into the tournament expected to host a regional per D one baseball and baseball America. And they leave, you know, they're the first team eliminated and now they're heading to Louisville. So yeah. I, I think, you know, the tournament kind of backfired in the, in that way. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just it. I mean, nothing really good came from it as, you know, or, and, and you can argue if you're a Beaver fan that that was kind of poetic justice for the Ducks to get shipped to, to Louisville after potentially looking like they were going to host, but um, it, it's still not good for the PAC 12 as a whole. And, and then it wasn't even like PAC 12. I mean, the, the games were all on the PAC 12 net albeit right. for the last one. So um, it wasn't like you got huge exposure either. I, I just don't see a lot of upside. And then, like I said, you had guys playing. I don't I don't know really why they pick Scottsdale, except for the fact that it probably has the best weather, although it's hot the end of May. So I, don't, I would have liked to see San Diego or L.A. or an area that maybe was a little less less hot. Yeah, venue availability, I think, is the big thing down in Arizona. You have all of these municipal ballparks that sit empty for 11, you know, 10, 11 months out of the year when spring training's wrapped up. 
Um, so I, th I think, you know, the availability, not being, not having to compete, compete. for field space, uh, was, was a big draw. Obviously the weather, um, you know, the attractions that come with Scottsdale, I think it's good for fans. Um, if they find, if they find a way to stay cool, I was very lucky to have a pool at my, my Airbnb. Um, there are a lot of reasons where, why I say, okay, Scottsdale seems like a great place to play this tournament, but I think if you can overcome the venue availability aspect that might come with playing in Reno or in the Bay area or in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. those places just seem a lot more conducive to, you know, a, a more well-run tournament where you're not seeing teams playing for six hours in the Sonoran desert heat under the beating sun and, and getting injured every half inning. Yeah. I mean, just, uh, which, just the, you know, the dehydration, everything. I mean, that just, it's, it's such a taxing taxation on those kids bodies yeah and and for nothing really good to come out of it for you know for any team that that needed it and then you know if, like you said with the conference you know the, the big draw for for the conference outside of potentially sneaking another team into the uh, into the ncaa tournament is the money that comes from you know your tv deal your you know your commercial space all of that but these games, like you said, were on the Pac-12 network. You know, it's not like this is the SEC where they can put all these on the SEC network, which is owned by ESPN or ESPN+. Plus. Um, you know, it, it's on a network that, quite frankly, nobody really has. So I, I, I don't think... I, I don't think the Pac-12 probably gained as much from that as it could have if it, you know, had the resources that another conference did. I mean, how many times did you see the same three commercials on repeat? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. the, the Pac-12, you know, promoting itself, yes. essentially. Um, it's not like it's selling a bunch of ad space either. So I don't know, just like just like just about everything in this conference, I felt like it was just kind of poorly conceived. Um and I, I, so, think it's, I think I do think it's a necessity just because, you know, that's every other conference in, in the country does this. Okay. But, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's a matter of this just being the inaugural event and they have to work out some, you know, they have to make some tweaks and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I was I was a little disappointed with with, I think, the way it was operated. I will say but, the games, the games themselves were a ton of fun. Um, and and I, I want to give a shout out because watching those games, I watched other teams too. And Oregon state fans showed up probably yeah. better than any other fan base. Arizona looked like they had a quite a few, quite a few fans, but um, Oregon state fans travel very well. And they always do, you know, Oregon state baseball fans are, are right there with the best of them as far as traveling and, and to Arizona in particular, we see it every February with thousands of fans going down to surprise for those first two weekends. Um, and a, a lot of that same contingent showed up at Scottsdale Stadium. I think there were at least a thousand Oregon State fans there on any given day. Um, the attendance announced for the championship game was uh, just over four thousand, and I, I would I would say close to half of that um, was wearing orange. So really cool to see Oregon State fans turn out like they did. Angie, was there anything that you? <laughs> I mean, we've been so negative about this thing, but yeah. was there anything that you actually liked about the tournament? Because like I said, the games themselves were a ton of fun. Yeah, I, I, I mean, like I said, I, I think they can they can improve on some things. But um, yeah, I loved how many Beavers fans showed up. I thought that was awesome to see. Um, and I just, it is a fun, it's, the concept is there. It's just thinking from a, a player perspective. Um, yeah, if I was Mitch Canham, I mean, not that I would have done this, but after that 10 hour or the, 
the 10 inning game against UCLA in the heat and then having to turn around and play again, I think I would have just packed up my team and said, we're going home. Nothing good's coming this. You lose your catcher. Um, the guys are cramping up. They're dehydrated. I'm sure there were some IVs flowing in between games. And I mean, as far as trying to keep your bodies healthy for, for the next step, but um, no, the games were fun. They, you know, that's, that's the one thing you can say about a, a hitter's park is that it, it made entertaining offensive battles. But um, yeah, I, th- I mean, like you said, it's necessary. All the other conferences do it, but um, there was, there were some downsides, I think, especially if you're one of the top two teams, Sanford, Oregon state in the mix. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the ballpark too. now that, you know, you mentioned it being a hitter's park. Uh, that's the reason these games were going so long. And that's the reason that, you know, you were seeing Oregon state and UCLA combine for, you know, nearly 50 runs in one game the dimensions of that place, 360 down the left field line, 430 to straightaway center, three, I think 35 or something down the right field line, super deep power power alleys. Um, It's an outfield that plays so big that if you put something in the air, chances are it's going to drop. And so the only way to counter that as a defense is to try to induce more ground balls and keep it and keep the ball in the infield. But then, you know, when, when the field is, is being, you know, stepped on by eight teams a day and, you know, sitting under there and or sitting there in you know, a hundred degree heat under the sunlight, the infield gets really hard and the ball starts moving a lot quicker. Um, and that's, I think why you saw Oregon state commit so many errors that week. Um, just, you know, an infield that was playing like, like cement um, and an outfield that if anything's hit to it, it's going to drop for a base hit. So that's that's part of the problem too with with playing in Arizona is a lot of those ballparks are constructed in that way. So I don't know. Maybe maybe in the future they'll move away from it, but they do have a three year contract. Uh, as Oregon State gets out of the bottom of the first inning in Oklahoma City, scoreless, the Beavers lead one nothing over Florida in the Women's College World Series as we head to the second inning. Um, Angie, anything else you want to add about the Pac-12 baseball tournament? We're going to talk injuries here in just a minute as we preview the uh, the Corvallis Regional. But no, any, I think anything else you want to add? No, let's just let's move into something positive now. And uh, yeah, so uh, Florida did get two hits. So Oregon State had two hits, and Florida had two hits, but one zero, like you said, on All the right. softball side. Um, we are going to hit a quick break. If I can pull up my ad read here, um, Angie, while I'm pulling this up, we're going to promote Beaver Blitz here in just a second. I want to touch on one football topic before we get to baseball, because this is a huge weekend, not only for the baseball team, but for the football program as well, who's hosting a huge recruiting weekend. Yeah, it's a big weekend. Um, June is always a big official visit weekend. Um, They'll have eight right now. We have eight, possibly nine. I'm working to confirm that ninth visitor uh, this weekend. Next weekend is a smaller visit weekend with graduation. So they kind of keep that um, under, you know, kind of, as a non-big weekend. And then they have another couple weekends um, with official visitors at the end of the month before they kind of take their July coaches can get their, their downtime to plan fall camp. So um, yes, yeah, stick to Beaver Blitz, head in the lodge. We have the whole list in the lodge of, of visitors. The one I'm really watching, I mean, there are a couple big time O-linemen. Um, the one I'm watching those Adrian Childs, the quarterback from Southern California, um, I, I would have put Oregon State in the driver's seat probably two months ago, but now he's got a couple other big, 
big offers, including Washington and uh, Oregon State has a battle on their hands. But I, I think they really need to, to, you know, tie up a quarterback in this class and helps them recruit, you know, the rest of the rest of the offensive class. Well, there you have it. A big recruiting weekend for Oregon State football as we're kind of in this, you know, this dead period as far as content goes. You know, we haven't covered football too much in the last couple of weeks since spring camp ended. But trust me, we're going to be ramping back up as soon as baseball is over, uh, especially with fall camp. What now? Two months away. I mean, Andrew, this thing's creeping up. It is. Um, It is. But all the more reason to head to beaverblitz.com, which is proud to be the leader in Oregon State football and men's basketball recruiting coverage. With access to the most talented and well-connected recruiting analysts in the nation, we're your source for all the latest scholarship offer, official visit, and transfer portal news. Year-round coverage of Oregon State football, men's basketball, baseball, and everything else within the athletic department makes beaverblitz.com the all-inclusive destination for in-depth analysis of all things beaver sports. Join us today with a monthly or annual subscription to gain full access to our VIP articles, team of experts, and message board. Membership also grants the ability to chat with fellow beaver fans and gain behind-the-scenes intel in the lodge. You'll get all this and more including access to all of the team sites across the 24-7 Sports Network with your subscription. So join today to keep up on your favorite teams and your rivals, too. All right, Angie, we're back to action in the Women's College World Series. Oregon State up to bat here in the top of the second, up one nothing. Um, but let's talk Corvallis Regional on the baseball side. Obviously, Oregon State... Uh, had to go through the regional and super regional round to get to where it's at now on the softball side. Um, but Mitch Canham's Beavers are staying home this year. You know, they went down to Fort Worth last year for that regional hosted by TCU. Uh, but the Beavers this year are hosting Vanderbilt, San Diego, and New Mexico State in the 2022 Corvallis Regional. Angie, when you look at that field, anything stand out to you? Well, I, I'm glad we're not seeing Gonzaga because that was, you know, rumored to be one of the teams or UC Santa Barbara were two of the teams that um, had kind of been rumored before the announcement. So, um, oh, we, we're getting a visitor Duke saying hi. There's the puppy. He's giving kisses. Um, so I'm, I'm glad we don't see that. I mean, we've already seen Gonzaga a couple times this season. So um, Vanderbilt, you know, that's just kind of one of those heavy hitter names. So, of course, that one kind of jumps out at you to see Vandy in the mix. I, I know they're not the Vandy maybe that we've seen the past couple of years, but they typically play tough and they're a well-coached and um, stacked team. San Diego, New Mexico state don't know a ton about them. So um, I know we'll have JP's weekly walk-off and then your, your in-depth analysis tomorrow before the actual game. But um, those two, you know, are, are always excited or, you know, fun to watch just because you never know what those mid-majors are going to do, um, but they can compete. Yeah, I'll give you a, a quick rundown of, of all of these teams here in just a minute, too. I, d- I did a little bit of scouting, but um, I actually just got back from Goss Stadium about an hour and a half, two hours ago to go pick up my credential for the weekend. Um, and all four teams were practicing at Goss today. So I got to tell you, Goss was like, Goss was hopping today. So you've got ESPN trucks out in the parking lot, you know, getting all ready to uh, provide the TV coverage. All of these games will be on the ESPN family of networks. Um, you've got NCAA officials there kind of setting up, you know, putting their branding everywhere. They've got this really cool thing going on um, kind of on the facade of Goss Stadium out on the third baseline um, that I wanted to snap a picture of, but they weren't quite done with it. Okay. Um, 
So they, I was trying to figure out what they were doing as I was walking into the stadium, but by the time I had left, um, it was, it was starting to come together. So they've got, you know, like those giant wall stickers. Yes. Um, yes. So they've got a, a big sticker for each of the four teams. Okay. And underneath that in big bold lettering, it says Corvallis regional. And then okay. they're putting up another sticker as I left. So I don't know what that yeah. one was, but okay. it's, you know, it's a, a big thing up on the side of the, side of the building um they haven't done that before so i thought it was kind of cool, cool. You know, just throw that out throw that out on the side of the building um obviously there will be all sorts of ncaa branding and whatnot inside. Uh, i wonder if it was a bracket could it be maybe, a bracket maybe we'll see okay we'll see um but yeah all four teams practicing there i saw um, a little bit of, of Vanderbilt's BP, um, Tim, Tim Corbin, you know, longtime head coach there, one of the best coaches in college baseball, um, was was throwing BP. Cool to see him kind of, you know, tossing some softballs to his guys. And, um, yeah, they were they were crushing it. They looked like a really physical team. But I think despite their record, you know, they could cause some problems as the two seed in this regional. Um, San Diego comes in after beating Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference Championship. And then uh, New Mexico State also won their conference tournament as well. Okay. So I'm just, so, I'm going to interrupt with a quick softball update. Oregon State has bases loaded, no outs right now after um, a bunt. I'm just watching right now. She bunts it and it went right past the third baseman and the shortstop. That's a rally. A rally, base yep. is loaded. A base is loaded rally with no outs. Yes. Um, this is a situation where Oregon State needs to, you know, when you're playing a team of, of Florida's caliber, a national seed, in a spot like this, getting ahead big is is obviously huge. So um, we'll see if they can, you know, score a couple of runs here. They're, they're changing pitchers already. Florida. That's is. a good sign. Getting into yeah. the bullpen already uh, is the Oregon State softball team. So Oregon State. Baseball tomorrow opens, tomorrow being Friday, uh, opens Corvallis Regional play with a 7 p.m. first pitch against New Mexico State, the four seed in the Corvallis Regional. Angie, that game will be on ESPNU. I imagine you're going to be watching from from Sherwood. We'll be watching. What are you, uh, what are you hoping to see in, in this opener, knowing that and and I'll drop a couple nuggets here that you know the listeners might might have already read if if they're uh, following along with Beaver Blitz. Oregon State's going to throw Cooper Jerpy as their starting pitcher tomorrow. Um, I, I think you know that was met with a lot of a lot of question marks from Oregon State fans that I personally didn't expect. I know my Twitter mentions absolutely blew up when I when I tweeted that. People saying, you know, what what are we doing starting Jerpy against a, a team like New Mexico State? You have to save your ace for Saturday. Um, you got to get to Saturday. I, and I'm, hopefully curious, not I'm curious through, what your yeah. thoughts are on that one. Yeah, I mean, I get it, but you can't. It's baseball. It's, it's baseball. And really, so much of it can just come down to, you know, opportune hits or hits falling in the right spot. You can't take New Mexico State lightly. I mean, or everybody's going to be gunning for Oregon State. They've been like the number two team all season long. Um, they're going to pitch their ace, and you don't want to go to the loser's bracket. It's just go with it. And what I want to see from Oregon State is I want to see them dominate in all aspects, all phases. Um, I think we saw – I mean, here's Oregon State this year has been one of the best defensive teams we've seen or in the country, and I think they stumbled a little bit. and. I'm going to chalk that up to some heat potentially and, and that fast infield, but um, I want to see 
solid baseball. I want to see good hitting. I want to see, you know, solid pitching. And, and then back to that near 100% fielding. Yeah, I mean, I understand some of the hand-wringing that Oregon State fans are doing right now. Um, I, I do think, you know, it does make sense to save your ace for a better opponent, sure. But like you said, you have to get to Saturday first. And I don't care how bad a team might be in this first round of, you know, the NCAA the NCAA tournament, none of these games are gimmies. You know, we've seen Oregon State fall in the past. I mean, it happened, what, three short years ago in the 2019 Corvallis Regional, Oregon State lost to a four seed. Um, it's, I just think, you know, you set up your pitching, you get guys ready for the next round if, if you're there, you know, you prepare your Friday, day, Saturday, Sunday, as, as you normally would. Um, and... I don't know. I, I, I just think you have to trust your guys at some point. And I, I think that's what Mitch Canham is doing um, in, in, in this case. Another point that I wanted to, to get to here that, you know, I, I posted this at, at Oregon or at, uh, at Beaver Blitz the other day. Um, Oregon State's fully healthy going into this thing, which I think you and I, you know, you and I both, we, we talked the other day after I, you know, heard this news from Mitch Canham and we were both a little surprised considering uh, you know, just how banged up they were after the Pac-12 tournament. But Gavin Logan coming back from an injury. Uh, Jacob Melton obviously sat out briefly in the Pac-12 tournament. He's back and good to go. Wade Meckler, Justin Boyd, Travis Bazana. Um, everybody that missed time at some point down in Scottsdale is good to go this week, which I think obviously is pretty massive considering some of the names that I just listed there. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, those are your, your top guys and especially Logan. I, you and I talked about this earlier in the week. Um, that surprised me because that looked like a groin pull and I thought he might be out for the rest of the season. Yeah, it looked serious. And, you know, he was being helped off the field down there. Um, we didn't see him the rest of the way in Scottsdale. And I think, you know, I'm right there with you. I figured, you know, if, if that's a, a pulled groin, he's done for the year. As, as a catcher, that is an injury that you're not coming back from in the span of three weeks. Um, so when it turned out to just be cramps and, you know, a, maybe a mild pull of some sort, um, I think that was probably a relief for everybody involved. Um, I, I didn't really believe Mitch Canham that that night when he said, oh, we'll see how it feels in the morning. You know, I've had the same thing happen to me. Um, but yeah, I mean... <laughs> He came back a couple of days later and said, no, I'm good to go. Let's catch some bullpens as soon as we get back to Corvallis. And that's exactly what he did. So um, getting a catcher back who led the the Pac-12 tournament in batting average at about 712, I believe, maybe 714. Um, either way, I mean, that's just, that's yeah. an absurd number. So, you know, his bat is hot. He's a great defensive catcher and getting him back along with, you know, all of those names at or near 100%. Uh, is absolutely massive. Well, yeah, so. Melton and, and Meckler to get those guys back with their bats, yeah. 100%. Um, Bazana. Um, the one, too, I just want to give a, a quick hat tip to Forrester because yeah. he had himself a tournament. Um, huge, huge production out of him this, this past weekend. Yeah, he was my vote for tournament MVP. He did end up winning that, and I think he was a lock, you know, considering he led the field uh, with in, in RBI. I, I want to say off the top of my head, he had something like 16 across five games, which is just because yeah, he had like five or six just yeah. in that. Yeah, he hit game. three home runs in the tournament. Um, he had a couple of multi hit games against UCLA, and you know, he 
kind of lit them up at, at the end of the regular season as well. So that's a guy who has absolutely torched UCLA pitching. Um, I'm sure he's probably upset UCLA is not in the Corvallis regional the way he played, but okay. Oregon State does match up to potentially play UCLA in the Supers should Oregon State advance out of the Corvallis regional, UCLA advance out of the Auburn regional, they would face in a three-game series, which I think is really intriguing considering um, you know, Oregon State's struggles against UCLA and obviously considering what happened between those two teams down in Scottsdale. Angie, quick guy. Uh, I was gonna I was gonna ask you that. Oh, okay. I, I'm sorry, I wasn't watching. No, I was All right, gonna... I'll, I'll do it. Oregon State okay. leaves the bases loaded in top in the uh, top of the second after loading them with with nobody out. I hate leaving guys on base. Um, no, I was gonna ask you, what did you think of the the pairings uh for for the brackets? It just seems like a lot of uh, the Pac-12s on one side of the the bracket. Yeah, I mean nothing surprising, you know. People people complain about the committee stacking the thing so that the SEC gets as many teams as possible into the College World Series. Um, like, I, I do agree to an extent, but I think there's only so much the committee can do. I mean, let's think about think about the way this tournament is constructed. They're called regionals for a reason. They try to keep things as they try to keep things as regionally constructed as possible. Um, and when you, when the distribution of teams in the NCAA tournament is so heavily, um, it's, it's East coast heavy. It's very difficult to spread out your West coast teams like that. Um, because, you know, in regional play, you want to keep, geography in mind so they try to keep west coast teams you know in the same regionals they try to keep east coast teams in the same regionals texas and louisiana teams you know often play each other um so just by nature of that you know there there are only so many teams to go around so that's why you see oregon state play the same teams year after year in the first round and that's why you see a lot of pac-12 teams match up against each other as frustrating as it may be i don't really think there's a way to counteract this unless you get rid of the regional format altogether, rank everybody one through 64 and just say, all right, you know, this is just yeah. the first round. It's not a regional, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But that's uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I assume you have a bone to pick with, with the pac 12 having to play each other to get to the no, I, world series. I, no, I mean, that's, I mean, I know that's, that is the, that's the, the reasoning behind it is the mm-hmm. regionals. And when you have, you know, three quarters of, you know, the teams or even more on the other side of the Rockies, it makes sense, but it's just kind of, especially just how strong the PAC 12 is. um, It's sometimes unfortunate that they, they tend to do that. Yeah, it it is kind of a bummer. And I I think if I remember correctly, the PAC 12 has what five teams represented and the top three are all on the same side. So like that is, that is the one part where I say, okay, yeah, you should probably you should probably distribute the top teams a little better than that instead of, you know, making them all play each other to get to the national championship. But um yeah, I I don't know. We're we're not in the room that yeah. that decides how these things are drawn up. Um getting back to the Corvallis regional, so we 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 touched briefly on, you know, Oregon State versus New Mexico State. I want to give a little background on all of these teams. Um so New Mexico State, as I said, won the WAC tournament. Um, you know, that's the the Western Athletic Conference includes the likes of Grand Canyon, Abilene Christian. Um, 
but winning that tournament was I don't think anything anybody really saw coming from New Mexico State, who was the last team in that conference tournament. And by nature of that was, I believe, the worst team in the NCAA tournament this year. So Oregon State kind of it, it kind of gets a cupcake first game. I'm, I'm not going to yeah. lie. This is a 24 and 32 Aggie squad coming to Corvallis who, you know, by any measure really has no beat, has no business being in this field, yeah. but obviously it has to be because it's an automatic qualifier. So it's about as easy in quotes yeah. as a, a first of a first run game as you can possibly get. But I don't know. That's, that's where a lot of the hand wringing is coming from uh, Oregon state fans, you know, Oregon State throwing its ace against that squad, but the other well, first who would you game, pitch? Who would you pitch, Carter? Would you go with with Phoenix? Um, probably Kamats, Jacob okay. Kamats. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd probably I'd throw Jerby. I, I just think that's that's what you do in the postseason. Is you know you you ride with your ace on Friday and you go from there. Yeah. Um, regardless of who you play, that's. It's, it's just too important to win. You don't take any chances trying to get too cute in the postseason if 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 I'm a head coach, at least. Yeah. But in the other first-round matchup in the Corvallis Regional, it's San Diego versus Vanderbilt. So Vanderbilt gets the two seed in the Corvallis Regional, San Diego the three. Uh, to get here, San Diego beat Gonzaga twice in the West Coast Conference Tournament. Um and they actually closed their regular season against the Zags. So okay. uh, the Toreros went three and two on the season against Gonzaga. Obviously, that's um, you have to be a pretty good team to do that. You know, Oregon State fans didn't want Gonzaga in this regional. Instead, it gets a team that beat it three out of five times. So did Oregon State fans really get what they wanted there? I don't know. Um <laughs> I, I went and, and looked at the San Diego schedule just to see some of the the common opponents, you know, that Oregon State and San Diego had in common um, because they're two West Coast teams and play a lot of the same squads. So this is uh, these are San Diego's records against teams that Oregon State also played. San Diego, as I said, went three and two against Gonzaga. It went three and one in a season opening series against Oregon. Then it won two out of three against Grand Canyon, who Oregon State split a midseason series against. One and one against Irvine, who Oregon State also played. Uh, two and two against Portland. And as I said, that three and two mark against Gonzaga. So, I mean, all in all, San Diego was winning series or or splitting series against all the teams that Oregon State played. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it seems like a, a tough matchup for, for the Beavers. Yeah. And then how about Vandy? So Vandy, Vanderbilt goes one and two in the SEC tournament last weekend. Um, and it actually dropped its last two games by a combined score of 20 to three. So the uh, momentum is not necessarily on Vanderbilt's side. It's also last, it's, it's lost five of its last six. Uh, it was swept by LSU in the regular season finale. So, you know, we, t- we talk about momentum. Obviously Vanderbilt comes in with a lot of losses on its schedule. Oregon State, you know, is, is kind of in the same boat. You know, lost two out of three to UCLA in the regular season finale. Um, went three and two in the the, the Pac-12 tournament, dropping a couple of games. So it's not like Oregon State's riding too high either. But uh, I, I think Vanderbilt firmly is the coldest team in this regional. Um, that being said, the Commodores are still the number seven team in the country, according to RPI. 
Uh, they stand at 36 and 21 overall and 14 and 16 in conference play. So, you know, sub sub 500 in the SEC. But that number seven RPI means they're doing something right and they're playing tough teams. So it's yeah. it's a battle tested squad who has still won uh, quite a few games against really good opponents. Has to fly all the way out to Corvallis, though. So, you know, that's and, and weather could be an issue. I, I know it's been nice the past couple of days, but I'm anxious to see what maybe weather does for this weekend and playing in the rain potentially for, yeah. for these schools. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, of traveling out to, uh, to Corvallis, Angie, are you familiar with the Vanderbilt whistler? Briefly, vaguely. Okay. okay. So the Vandy whistler, I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have kind of a bone to pick with, uh, with this individual, just a, a guy with an incredible, ability to whistle louder than anyone I have ever heard. Um, and he just, he dominates the games really. I mean, that's you turn on a Vanderbilt baseball game. All you hear is just this repetitive whistling. Um, in my opinion, that makes the games borderline unwatchable uh, to the point where when Vanderbilt was playing in the college world series last year, and I was watching those games, I would turn it off. I, I would mute the game because I didn't want to listen to it. And then I actively rooted for Mississippi State in the championship series just because I was annoyed by the guy. So um, so it's just a fan. Yeah, it's just just a fan, a diehard fan. Um, there's all sorts of, you know, he's gotten all sorts of media coverage over the years. Um, I, I have not heard whether or not he's going to be in Corvallis, but I have to imagine that he will probably make the trip. And if so, Beaver fans, stay civil. Just He's going to be annoying, but just stay civil. That's all I can say. Or just drown him out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm curious to see how it plays out. You know, Oregon State fans always get super loud during the regionals anyways. So I imagine um, his presence would only, I don't know, would only encourage more of that, let's say. Um, but Uh-oh. yeah. I don't... Hey, quick, quick update. Florida just uh, scored two, so it's two one. With, it looks uh, like on an error. Error, yes. Looks like an error. Yeah, it looked like an error in first base. Okay, so Florida takes the lead in the women's college world series against Oregon State in the bottom of the second inning. It is ruled an E three. Yeah, they did rule uh, it an error. Fielding error brings two runs in. So Oregon State, uh, yeah. That, the ball right off the glove. Um, Oregon state leaves the bases loaded in the top of the inning, then gives up a pair of runs on an error in the, in the bottom half. That's uh, that's not a recipe for, for success right there. Um, but Angie, I, I think that pretty much covers everything Corvallis regional related um, content wise at Beaver blitz. You want to, you want to preview that because Friday is going to be a big day for us. Yeah. Tomorrow we'll be busy. I know Carter's been busy putting together content. Um, we'll have game headquarters, um, game thread during the game previews. JP's weekly walk-off is a huge one uh, mm-hmm. leading up to Corvallis Regional. He'll have rundowns on all four teams, um, brackets, everything you'll need to know. So um, make sure to be checking out Beaver Blitz. And like I said, you'll want to be in the lodge. If you're not in Corvallis, you'll want to be watching it in the lodge with us because it's always fun to to talk back and forth. I think some of those threads from the Pac-12 tournament had four or 5,000 views just because people were in them and, and active during those game threads. Yeah. I mean, some of the, some of the baseball threads that we had running in the lodge uh, during the PAC 12 tournament were about as popular as some of the football games, actually, yeah. you know, home football games and road baseball games sometimes 
you know, yeah. in terms of how many fans are, you know, in seats versus on websites, you know, following, following along, um, pretty comparable there, which is, which is impressive. I think, I think Oregon state fans have, have really showed out this year at, at Beaver Blitz. I've, I've noticed a lot of, um, just a lot of engagement. And I, I think Oregon state fans are really fired up and they get rewarded with a regional. And, and if Oregon state comes out of this four team field with super regional. So, um, Angie, I, I, I mean, I doubt, I don't think you're coming down for any of these games, but no. um, I got to well, I will this. be watching. Like I said, I will be having friends over tomorrow to watch with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it'll be, it'll be a fun weekend of watching baseball. Jack, yeah. my youngest does not have any tournaments this weekend. So um, the whole family, the Machado family will be watching. You'll all be dialed in. Yeah. As, as somebody who's, who's watched a lot of postseason baseball at Goss, I, I can say that atmosphere during the regular season, it's already one of the best in college baseball, but during the postseason, it's it's just taken to a whole nother level. So they're leaving the uh, the two hundred and what is it two hundred and thirty eight? I want to say additional seats out in left field up. Um, I expect record crowds this weekend. You'll probably see somewhere in the realm of forty three hundred people at these games, which I, I think the Goss official capacity is listed at like thirty five hundred or something like that. So to see that many people there is pretty cool. Um, they'll all be super rowdy um single game tickets go on sale day of at 9 a.m so be sure to to head to beaverTickets.com. i think is the website how will the student turnout be because we're still yeah. finals next week finals yeah finals finals, okay. finals are next week so you know theoretically theoretically at least students will be studying for finals this weekend um but the student turnout this year has has been great during the regular season, and I know that they are actually reserving some outfield general admission seats for students. For the students. So Good. Um, students will be able to purchase those. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be really fun, and and hopefully we get to do it again next weekend with the super regional. Because Angie, I mean, we're reaching the end of the show here, and I'm like, wow, is this is this the last time we're gonna preview baseball this year? I hope um, not, but it's possible, yeah. but I'm, I'm hoping that we're back next week, next Wednesday or Thursday, uh, to talk some super regional. Yes. Let's the fingers are crossed. Um, because yeah, I'm not quite ready to switch out of baseball mode and go straight to football. Yeah. We, uh, you and I both need the, uh, as much non-football time yeah. as, as much non-football time as we can get because the months of April through December, um, you know how busy those are. So I'll take all of the baseball time I can get right now before I have to start jumping back into transition football back to football. Um, but I'll tell you what, there's nothing better than that first day of fall camp. Yeah, so yeah, that that'll come soon enough though. Which but again, like I said earlier, June 2nd, believe it or not, I mean, we're, we're sitting like here on June away. 2nd. We're like exactly two months away two months from away. fall camp, which is pretty unreal. It's wild. Um, yeah. Oregon state gets out of it by the way. Uh, yeah, so they're top Oklahoma of three. City. We're up in the uh, the top of the third now. Oregon State is batting down 2-1. So we're going to have to leave it there. Um, you know, if you're watching us live, you can take us off now. Get your screen back. Um, you know, watch watch some softball. We'll be back next week to recap the game. Hopefully, man, I think, I think this thing runs through June 8th or 9th. So we might be kind of butting up against the, the championship series there if – you know, should Oregon State advance to the Women's College World Series Championship, um, our next podcast will be right there around that time. So 
um, yeah, en enjoy this thing while it lasts, Oregon State softball fans, because this is pretty cool. Uh, you're witnessing history right now. And uh, hopefully, all I can say is hopefully baseball does the same. Be pretty cool to get both teams in the in the College World Series. It would be unreal. All right. Well, we want to thank everyone who joined us live on YouTube. We want to thank everyone who's been listening to us. Uh, we're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, you name it. Um, we'll be back again next week, probably Wednesday or Thursday, hopefully, as we said, previewing more baseball, talking some softball. Uh, but until then, you can follow me on Twitter at Carter Baines. She is at Angie Machado one and be sure to stick with Beaver Blitz all weekend and into next week as postseason on the uh, on the diamond gets gets into full swing here. We'll Duke be back next his, week. Duke needs his own Twitter. Let's get Duke Machado a Twitter. He's waving <laughs> goodbye for anybody who's not anybody who's not watching on YouTube. Duke uh, Angie's Angie's dog is, is waving goodbye to you. Yeah, he's he's been climbing on me. Yeah. All I right. Think he wants dinner. That's a wrap. We'll uh, we'll talk to everyone next week. Thanks for joining us. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, like I said, we're previewing more baseball next week.